0: American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. The Lynn Shoemaker strike of 1860 reveals the changing moral and economic order of the years directly before the Civil War. By the 1850s, the putting out system of shoes, which centered in Lynn, Massachusetts, had now extended all the way to New Hampshire and Maine. It was an expansive system that depended on ever more marginal workers who were ever more unproductive. By 1850, a sewing machine was now commercially available through the Singer Sewing Machine Company. It It was very expensive. They sold it on installment credit to households, who paid up to about a third or a half of their annual wages to get the shoe. But these households in the putting out system still thought of themselves as independent producers, taking in the shoes, sewing them together, and sending them back. And so it was much more of a business expense than a personal expense. But there were limits to this system. Just as these early sewing machines increased the productivity of the putting out system, so too they made possible its dissolution. In Lin, shoe merchants began to set up their own factories with their own sewing machines. And so this extended network began to collapse. And by the crisis of 1857, all of Lynn was in a panic. These shoe binders that were now centralized were known as machine girls. And in Lynn, there was a 40% drop in employment in the shoe industry. Things were in a crisis. And so as we come to 1860, There is a combination of the incredible productivity of the shoe industry with the new sewing machines and also the people left out of that economy. In 1860, there is the largest strike in US history in Lynn, Massachusetts. 20,000 workers, or the equivalent of one third of the entire workforce of Massachusetts, goes out on strike. And week after week, there are parades through the streets of Lynn denouncing the system that leaves people out of work, that leaves them out of jobs, replaced by these machines. Now what's interesting about these strikes is that they're organized not by factory, but by neighborhood, by social ties. And in fact, it harkens back to this older artisanal system of production, a system where individual households are producers. And this is part of the appeal of the putting out system, that they are not dependent. They are still independent. And this is partially what they are resisting. They are resisting being enfolded into a dependent status in society. The women of Lynn paraded down the streets, holding up placards that said, American ladies will not be slaves. Give us fair compensation, and we labor cheerfully. Now, it's exactly this kind of language that makes it not just about money, but politics, but about social status. So they will not be slaves. They will not be seen as dependents. And so it's also ironic, because the shoes that they're producing are actually for the slave markets of the Caribbean and the American South. And so it's about affirming a position away from the people who consume the shoes that they are producing. Also, in the fraught political tension of 1860 leading into the Civil War, it has a especially charged political meaning. These shoemakers made demands on the manufacturers, the ones who owned these small shoe factories. They demanded that they be treated like part of a family, that there was a social obligation of these bosses, these capitalists, to the workers themselves. It fell on deaf ears. The bosses said, this is just a market relationship. We are transacting. There is no social obligation. And so those old ties of patriarch, and master to journeyman are all gone. This is the naked truth of 1860, that that older artisanal order is finally and completely gone. That workers are now wage workers. And there's no recourse to any kind of social contract. Despite this massive strike, employers refused to sign any bill of wages that would standardize wages or the relationship between these machine girls and the employing class. With the advent of the McKay Stitcher in 1862, the final step of shoe production is fully mechanized. Everything is de-skilled, and there is very few places left to make money in the shoe industry. Wages fall, employment falls, and production radically expands. The time it took to make one pair of shoes before, a worker can now make 80 pairs of shoes. It's automation and production at a scale that had never seen been seen before in the shoe industry or nearly any other kind of soft good. And so workers are working harder, producing more, and earning less. Labor is no longer about producerism. Labor is now wage work. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University.